and we're back with another episode of The Anarchist Experience, episode 291, aka Year 6, Week 41, uh, coming at you this week. As always, I am your host, Mr. Rich E. Rich, along with... MC, and I'm drunk. <laughs> KS, and I'm... Okay. Partying early? Uh, we're recording on Halloween, so get, getting a little early start on the Halloween party, I guess. Yeah, yeah. last night it was pretty rough. Okay, so, but you're still drunk, because you didn't say I'm hungover, you said I'm, I'm drunk. I mean... Technical differences there. I okay, I don't know. Best way to cure hangovers: keep drinking. I'm so that, I'm told. I'm 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 ready for it. All right. Where's where's, <laughs> where's my beer? Dr- driving away with your car. Oh, damn it. Uh, we are recording this. However, we do have call-in numbers: three zero three 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 five ninety five twenty seven or three zero three eight three five thirteen zero one. That's three zero three 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 five ninety five twenty seven. Or 303-835-1301. So yeah, we are recording this on Halloween. I do have a Halloween story lined up, but that is not uh, where I want to get started. So we're going for authentic laughter here when I read these headlines. Um, Unless, is there anything on your guys' mind? I know, MC, you're kind of hanging in there, (laughs) hung over a little bit. Uh, No, I, I, at the party, it was, it was fun because I, uh. I was talking to this old guy. He's a he's a Democrat. He he loves Hillary and Biden, and uh, and so I told him my strategy for making money. He liked it. Uh, I told him, well, I, I, this is this is what you do: is you, you put a whole bunch of money on Trump, and that way, if he wins, you're happy, and if he loses, you're also happy too. <laughs> if you're a Biden supporter, yeah, yeah, and, and yeah, and if 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 you're if you're really, uh, you know, scared of Biden winning, then you could do the, the same. You could be like, put a whole bunch of money on Biden, and if Biden, or uh, I'll see, I'm drunk and I don't even know what I'm talking about anymore. Does no, that I even make it. sense? That, yeah, it okay. makes sense. Yeah, so you'd be happy either way. That, yeah, that's yeah. that's a good idea. Yeah. Um, well, then you could just put all your money on Joe Jorgensen and. Uh, and then lose it. <laughs> no, then you're sad you're either, way. either way. Sad either way. Yeah. No, because <laughs> you're going to lose your money, and she's not going to get elected. That's that's the worst thing you could do. <laughs> unless you're going to like, unless unless you can bet against someone who's like Joe Jorgensen's got, got this in the bag, and then I would say all in on that. Like, yeah. Take that bet. So, so the other thing I was talking about was. Uh, most people's perception of, of Biden. Now, people on the right are afraid that uh, Biden is a socialist and you know every everything that the, the far left stands for. And to me, he's not. He's he's kind of like he's just a big crony capitalist, you know, uh, worse than Trump. Um, right. He he would you know uh, sell us to China if he could, uh, and he probably would. He would probably try to do that, um, but. He's not a socialist. He's, you know, he's in it for him. And uh, so, yeah, anyway, that's just my, my, my opinion. I would probably agree with that. And part of what he said, you know, while debating Trump was um, the reason he won the Democrat nomination was because he was different from all those other candidates, right? He's much more (laughs) moderate and centrist within that spectrum than the rest of the wackadoos. (laughs) <laughs> but but still okay yeah so let's let's do this real quick because this is going to be like the last recording of this podcast before the most important election in the history of elections uh either you guys you know they throw always out a prediction? say that they <laughs> every year they always say that and then with... hopefully there were, you heard the sarcasm in my voice then <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> i did okay but i mean i guess that's good to make the point that that every year it always seems like the the world is going to come to an end if this guy gets yeah. elected. Well, that's why I'm not really worried about this election because the next one's going to be the most important one. Can we? Yeah. Okay. So, f- so first question is: Do you want either? You guys want to throw out a prediction on how things are going to go? What do you mean? Like, who's going to win? Who's going to win? Trump's Will there win. be fallout? What's that? Trump's going to win. Okay. No, I say that Biden's going to win in a landslide. Okay. Interesting. So I will, I, 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 I'm, I'm more interested in the fact that you think it's going to be a landslide. 
than the fact that you think Biden's going to win. Because early in the, ele- I think I've said this before, early in the election cycle, uh, I would have said Trump by landslide. And the closer we get to the actual election, the less I'm confident in that prediction. Um, so what leads you to believe or what, what, why make the prediction that's going to be Biden in a landslide? What do you know that, you know, that maybe we don't know that makes you feel that way? <laughs> I don't know anything that you guys don't know. Okay. I, I just think that it makes uh, the, uh, the discussion more interesting to do that you know, to, to, to say a landslide, but I mean, I, there are always surprises. I think that everybody was surprised that, uh, Trump won election the first time. And that was because of the, uh, electoral college, you know, the electoral college is the, is the big, uh, unpredictable factor, not, not the actual vote, but I think, I think the Biden will, will probably again win the popular vote. And this time, because the, there, those close calls on certain key states with the electoral college will make it uh, happen to him. And okay. I, I, I don't, I'm not fond of the idea, but I, I don't like either of them. I think that there's not, not a dime's worth of difference between the two of them. Uh, but um, I, uh, I like, I, oh, gee, no, it, it's a, it's a good thing to get into. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. I said my piece. All right. Um, my next question then is, as as you said, every year, every election cycle we go through, this is the most important election of our lifetime. Uh, should Trump win this election? I'm I'm looking out in you know four years time. <coughs> what 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 issues are going to be raised at that time to stave off uh, the encroaching uh, socialism and statism once we roll around to that election cycle? Because I think at least with Trump, he wasn't the uh, the typical, uh, stereotypical politician. So there was a little bit of that outsider uh, mentality coming in that rallied some folks into voting for him the first time. And if he carries through that, then what happens? What happens in 2024? Uh, you know, it, will there be another dark horse coming out of the woodworks? Are we going to divulge completely? Uh, into celebrity politics, you know, will the socialism craze have passed by then? Uh, once we once we get through this, Camacho for president. Uh, yeah, why not? Right. I mean, from idiocracy. I, I actually saw there there was a Camacho uh, in South America somewhere in office. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> What's president Camacho. Camacho? Uh, from a movie, um, oh. Idiocracy. Idiocracy, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah right. Have you seen that movie, KS? I did, yeah. Okay, right. good. I think, uh, MC introduced me to it, I think. Um, so, uh, great movie with that. And then there's another movie, oh, man, I can't think of the name of it, from the, from the same creator. Um, that's an interesting take on, like, American business and the small business owner. Uh, that's also worth watching if you fancy that i just i'm spacing on the name at the moment um so yeah i mean is this is this is this election the end of the line for you know federal politics as we know it like what can they like what 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 can they come up with in four years i guess is my general question if we're looking out that far and camacho for president seems unlikely but who knows what happens if we get four more years of trump um I don't think Trump's going to do the I'm running for a third term thing. I think that every time they say that, that gets blown out of proportion. Like he won't leave office. Um, but when you have when you have his base, like the Republican base at this point, rallying so heavily around a man rather than the principles involved, uh, I think it makes it very difficult to continue that trend. Any comments on that? I think it's very unpredictable. Um, because he's a very unpredictable guy. Uh, I think no one would have asked the question at the end of Barack Obama's campaign or, or any previous president. No one would have asked the question, do you think that he's going to con- you know, not leave office if, if the election directly goes in, in this direction? No one would have even thought to ask the question, is he going to push for a third term? I mean, after Franklin Delano Roosevelt and they passed the constitutional amendment limiting the president to three terms, there was no question about it. Actually, 
other than Franklin Delano Roosevelt, there was never a question even before it was a constitutional requirement. Um, and now all bets are off because Trump is a very, very unpredictable guy. Okay. Now, earlier you said that every election is the most important election of our lifetime. So I will just say this. When George W. Bush uh, was, you know, was ending his term, the same issue was raised. Will he leave office? Will there will what? he stage a coup? I, you heard that? I never. Yes. I, I really. Oh, yes. okay. Well, then I'm mixing with an entirely different uh, 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 group of of uh, associates. I never heard that with regard to Bush. And then again, I heard it with Obama. Right. It was it was raised in the last two end of terms. Right. You know? <laughs> So okay, then you and I just mix in different crowds completely. <laughs> yeah. And and also I think it, it depends uh what you're more afraid of. Like when, when Obama was in office, a lot of people were, you know, afraid of Obama. And so that, that that's a natural uh fear to have is oh maybe he won't leave, you know. So Right, which is the, why they the, brought it up. Especially the, after Trump won. They're like, no, he can't turn it over to Trump. That's so, not there's no way. So the 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 fear um, is is what drives these con- conspiracy theory type of uh, uh, attitudes. I think always. And, and I there's guess... and there's there's it. I I as far as like differences this time. I think there's more fear and hate for Trump than any other president ever. And but on the uh, on the flip side of that, there's there's more love for the president <laughs> ever. Right. So it's like it's like you either love him or you hate him type type of thing, and it just, I don't think it's a healthy thing. I, I I argued with a guy on Facebook yesterday. I said, I said, I, you know, I wish I wish there was a president that nobody gave a shit about because I'm tired of hearing it. I'm tired of hearing about how great or how horrible Trump is. I'm just tired of it. <laughs> so maybe that's where we go next, right? Because it it. What I said earlier was with Trump, it's it's such a high degree of cult of personality, mm-hmm. right? It's not like it's not like people hate the Republican Party or hate Republican principles, and I'm sure they do, right? There's there's probably some people going like, "Well, that's just bad policy," uh, but what what pervades the common parlance at the moment is not anti-Republican. It's not anti-Republican policy. It's not anti you know party politics. It's anti-Trump, mm-hmm. right? The the one man standing up there that's going to take all this heat. Um, and four years from now, should he win this one, uh, he'll be gone. Like you won't you won't have to worry about Trump being you know in that office anymore. Uh, and then do we go back to uh, we just hate them because of their policies, because they don't like poor people, because they're trying. A to- lot can happen in four years. I mean, look at how completely completely unprecedented our circumstances are with this uh, coronavirus and the, the the growth of the state um, to take control of society and the for the most part uh, complacency or the, the 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 willingness of the general population to accept it because of this outside fear um, I I think we're living in really unprecedented times but <clears throat> I would have said just before um, World War One or World War Two um, that things looked pretty good, and yet it it turned cataclysmic overnight for things that people would not have expected. And look at look how the world changed in August of 1914. Just this this spark of um, um, of the assassination of Archduke Ferdinand and how that changed the world so dramatically brought on this this cataclysm and the united states was drawn into it was not drawn into it went into it uh, uh which i i consider the worst decision ever in american history um and 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 it led on to part two hundreds of millions of people died not only from the war but from the from the slaughter of by the governments of their own citizenry in so much of the world i'd say that um We've gotten kind of complacent, thinking, "Gee, the world is stable and civilized and and good right now, and it's not going to have uh, uh, flip flops." And I I don't feel that comfortable about it. I think that this is, civilization is very fragile. But will it be uh, China and Taiwan that that brings it to an end? 
Yeah, could could be. All right. Any yeah. any good news? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I've I've shared similar sentiments to that in the past, right? Like it's a weird thing, but at at any stage of your life, right? There's there's some normalcy to it. And you and I guess for me, there's some normalcy to it and you go like, I can't imagine it being much different than this, right? And then and then something happens and it is. You know, it's completely different. Um, you know, like when, when, when they talk about, you know, big tech and the, you know, the, those giants, uh, of technology and industry, you know, dominating, right. The, the Microsoft's, the Google's, the Facebook's, uh, just controlling everything, all of your lives, you know, Amazon, uh, the, the, whatever. Um, and like at what point, you know, at one point did that become the dominant thing, right? Because when I was in college, uh, Google was known, but it wasn't like that wasn't the major search engine. There were others. And then somehow Google dominated, right? And there were, you know, when I was in elementary school, I, I think my first computer that I learned on in school was like an Apple Macintosh, whatever happens to be, you know, I don't remember the, the exact model at that time. And then somewhere along the line, Microsoft dominated. So there's always these, there's always that phase of transition happening. Um, but everything always seems stable. Like you said, Gaius, it, it seems stable right now, right? You, you go online, you search with Google, uh, you know, you're probably on a Windows machine, not, not UKS, you know, you're a Mac guy, uh, but even <laughs> Apple, even Apple's, you know, for, for as little market share as they have in most of those industries uh, globally, like they, they, they are of the apparent dominant uh, competitor there. Uh, Facebook, right? Before it was Facebook, it was, uh, what was it? MySpace. And Friendster and whatever before that, and everyone's going like, "Well, Facebook is too dominant now. There is no way we can all get away from Facebook." And I go, oh yeah, it's easy. You just stop using it and go use something else. And then the more of you, the more people that do that, the quickly it dissipates. It doesn't have to be around forever, right? Uh, one of the one of the funny things I read recently was like um, Sears. Remember Sears, the the department store? And they're like, "Well, Sears started as a catalog company, right? You'd order from the catalog and they'd mail stuff to your door." And now what do we have? Well, we have Amazon, the catalog company, where you just go online and they order stuff and they send it to your door. Like Sears just had that window of, you know, domination for brick and mortar and then it was gone. But, you know, 20 years ago, you're like, oh yeah, Sears is just, that's where you go to shop, you know, or 25 years ago or whatever. So everything always seems to be stable, but yet never is. Like that's, it's an illusion or fallacy, if you will. Very true. Yep. Very true. I think the kind of thing that, keeps it that that makes it appear stable is when government uh locks in control like they did with the at&t for so many decades they had a monopoly because the government gave them a monopoly as soon as they had ended the monopoly then all hell broke not all hell but uh the all the innovation of the of the internet took place and then google and microsoft and all these guys um got their start from the openness of that that era that i think dynamic change is just is the pervasive concept when you have free markets absolutely and, uh, and it's the government's intervention i mean i i don't i don't really worry about google and my information i worry about uh nasa i mean not nasa the nsa uh, and what they would do with that information i think the the free market comes up with lots of technology advancements and then the government <clears throat> Uh, utilizes it often to control and manipulate okay and generally i would agree with you um but let me throw this out there the concern with google is kind of what you said uh, ks where you're not really concerned that google has it uh, but google would be known to sell it to a state agency so if you are concerned yeah. about a state agency having it you must also be protective about giving it to Google. No? Yeah, sure. Sure. Okay. Um, there was another one. I, it was it Fitbit or something. It was a small little health tracker company uh, collecting your personal biometrics and your data. And they go like, no, no, we will never do anything harmful with your information. Well, and then like Google bought them, right? <laughs> so so you, you, you may have like avoided Google uh, to, you know, by, by working with these smaller companies and, 
you know, uh, but it eventually gets into the hands of Google anyway. And if, you know, if Google has it, that means the government has access to it. Uh, the CIA likely has it, you know, depending on, depending on your perspective, I got into, it was a, it was a long discussion that I don't think was very fruitful, uh, over the long term of discussion. So I don't want to rehash too much of it here. Uh, but we talked about it on, you know, free talk live. And one of the co-hosts there, uh, was very adamant in claiming that, you know, Google is a governmental agency, um, already de facto because of their involvement with CIA activities and how they obtain certain, uh, some level of funding. And you go like, well, it's not all the funding. It's just like this one specific thing. It was like, well, if you get any kind of funding from those state agents, you know, then yeah, you're de facto, you know, that's a de facto state agent. So you don't give Google your money or, or don't give Google your money or your data uh, because it will only be used against you by the state uh, when the state takes control of it. Let me ask a, a question. How, how far are we down the rabbit hole on this? Uh, for example, all of the things we're talking about in terms of control have occurred since the origin of the internet. Um, is there, is it possible for people to just say, Oh, I'm disconnecting from the internet. I'm going to live my life entirely without that. I've decided that privacy is uh, a higher concern than all the things I can do on the internet. Um, can you do that? Or is it impossible today? Uh, I don't want to say impossible. I would say prohibitively inefficient. Right. So I don't remember the article or the author's name, but there was a, a writer, probably a left writer, like left leaning, you know, Internet outlet or whatever. And she said, like, I'm going to stop using the big five for a week. And I think the big five. Uh, oh, man. Facebook, Amazon, Microsoft, Google and Apple or something like that. And if I'm getting those five wrong, there's one other one that, you know, is on there somewhere, micro, you know, Microsoft, or if I didn't say that. Um, but there's like those big five tech companies that you that you can kind of think of. Um, and they own so much technology. Like they have, they have, you know, tentacles in so many facets of life that it's virtually impossible to exist uh, in the real world without encountering or interacting with one of those companies at some point. Uh, I think one of the examples given was like, oh, oh, you think you can avoid them by just, you know, driving around in like your Ford Fiesta? Uh, well, guess what? The computer system is, you know, is a, is a Microsoft computer system. So, you know, try again, buy an old car, right? Oh, you think you're going to be able to just go on these other websites? Well, guess where they're hosting their, 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 their data? It's on Amazon's AWS system, you know? Oh, you think you're going to be able, you know, and it goes down the line. All right, where... let me ask another question then. Um, so, okay, if they have lots and lots of data about you, so what? Tell me what's the, how it can control you. Then, I mean, if they have a lot of data about me, so what? Well, I'm going to, I'm, I, I don't know how to answer that because I think that goes down the conspiracy rabbit hole that I personally don't follow too far down. Like I get, I get the idea that it can be used against you, right? Oh, when, you know, there's people who wouldn't answer the census questions because that's how they rounded up the Japanese and interned people, right? So the, the more data well, they I have, the more they can that, use against you. I understand that uh, identity theft can do you real serious damage, uh, but um, I, well, okay. I mean, I, I suppose that, Okay. Well, envision uh, the, the, the China's social could decide credit system to, to destroy you in the same way, right? Right. Well, they, again, envision, I guess, the the Chinese social credit system, right? They have all that information about you, and then they make it prohibitive for you to exist uh, should you cross them, right? So, oh, you have you know this function, or you've done this, or you said this online, and you're no longer allowed to have a job, right? You know, how do they do that? Well, they're not going to directly prohibit you from having a job uh but they will make sure that your employer knows you know about your online activities right they will they will let friends and neighbors and relatives know just who you are and what you're about um you know and again i don't i'm not the right person to ask that because uh to me uh much like you can i don't really care right like you know there's there's friends of mine that like refuse to go on facebook and i go well that's dumb right? Just go on Facebook, <laughs> right? If you want to stay connected with the rest of us, like get on Facebook and they go, well, it's not that important with me to stay connected. I go, all right, fine. Right. 
and then but they're concerned like oh because facebook has all your information and i go well no they have the information that you give them right Mm -hmm. so you know i i have uh one friend here who has a facebook profile right and there's like a name to that facebook profile and that is not his name right (laughs) that's interesting And, and people will recognize him from facebook and call him by his facebook profile and he'll go well that's not my name and he'll go like, well, they'll go like, well, that's your name on Facebook. Goes, I never said that was my name on Facebook. That is just some words associated with my profile on Facebook. It's not my name. It's never been my name. It's not my Facebook name. It's just how. It's just a way to get on Facebook, right? So, in his case, and this is what I've been, you know, I've told people like that for years. For years, like, who cares? It doesn't matter if you do, if you give them a fake name, fake address, fake location. All that matters is if you want to communicate with us, like let us know that that's your profile, right? You know, we had a a, a friend for a while um, who was a, a prolific shit poster on Facebook, and he would get banned frequently. So every every other month or so, I would get a friend request uh, from someone random, right? And along with that friend request would be like, "Hey, it's actually me, dude," you know. I'm back and this is my new profile. Uh, and there are some, you know, uh, uh, there are some people that um, like, uh, like my friend here who people only know them by their Facebook profile name. So who cares, right? It's not associated with, with anything, you know, anything in real life. It's just a way to stay connected on Facebook. And I go, well, what about Google? Like the same thing, you know, just create a fake, create a, a, a Google account and then don't give them any information. You know, just use it to like, you know, use your fake Google, uh, Google Gmail address to create a fake Facebook profile, you know, and now that, you know, uh, they're starting to do contact tracing here. I don't know. You guys, uh, I guess, have experienced that in Hawaii for way too long. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So now uh, their restaurants are being mandated to do it here in New Hampshire. Um, we're going to find out very, you know, very soon how uh, implementable that is and, you know, how, how it works. Um, I know that I'm not going to be logged, I guess, uh, any more so than I would like. Um, so if they go like, hey, we need your name and phone number and your address, you know, well, fake name, fake phone number, right? Easy. <laughs> Put down the governor's name. Then this, you know, the, the governor has a hotline here. So they said that, yeah, just give, give them whatever name you want and give them the governor's phone number so that if they ever try to get in touch with you, it just blows up the governor's phone. Like fucking fantastic. That's, <laughs> that's, that's great outside the box thinking, you know, activism or whatever, if you will. Uh, but fake name, fake phone number. Then I was thinking like one of the normal restaurants that we go to, I'm there on a regular basis. You know, if they start this, uh, my first question is going to be, um, will I be served if I decline, right? Uh, if, uh, if I decide not to give you my name and phone number, like, will will I still be able to eat food and pay the bill? Uh, now that being said, right. Typically when I go to that restaurant, I have a loyalty card that I earn points on to save money. And, you know, like, you know, every hundred bucks you spend, you get 10, you get $10 off your next bill or whatever. So they have some information on me already. Uh, will I stop using my loyalty card? Uh, so they can't track it. No, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get my points, man. So if they, you know, if they want to trace me through the loyalty card, they've already got some information. Um, I also usually always pay with a credit card. Uh, why? Uh, because I earn, again, I earn points uh, that I use to buy video games. Uh, am I gonna stop paying, you know, for things and and lose out on on future free games? Uh, just you know, just to avoid it's like, am I gonna go cash only at these restaurants that require it? No. Uh, if anything, if they go like, nope, you have, you know, uh, will I be served if I if I decline? And they say, no, you will not be served. And I go, all right, well, I'm out of here. You just lost a sale, right? I, I can find food elsewhere that's not going to require this. I don't mind eating at home. I don't mind cooking my own food. I come here, you know, more for the enjoyment of company than anything else. Man, I don't need the aggravation. Uh, we'll see what happens tomorrow night. Uh, I'll be going out to, to do Free Talk Live. And they have moved... Uh, where the meetup is a number of times uh, as the as the crackdowns for, at the restaurants have become more onerous, right? It went from one uh, one place that was like, you guys got to wear your mask and don't come in without it. And they're like, all right, we just won't come in. Like, we, we, we'll take our business elsewhere. 
And they moved it to a bar down the road, and that bar was fine until all of a sudden, you know, the word got out that, hey, they're starting to harass, you know, some people over the mask thing. They're like, oh, we're not going to go that one anymore. Uh, so now we're at a fucking great, um, a pho noodle house because they don't require the masks at all inside, even though, you know, even though they might get in trouble for it, they just, they just don't. Um, and the first time I went there, it was, it was great. You know, I opened up the door, it was my first time there. I opened up the door and, you know, we're, our group has like basically the, you know, monopolized the entire dining area of the restaurant because of how large it was and no one's wearing a mask. And a guy comes up to the door wearing a mask. He kind of, he takes a step inside, kind of looks around realizes what's going on and then takes a step outside. And then I see him, you know, I'm like, Oh, he's not one of us. Right. He gets on his phone. I don't know what the conversation was, pokes his head back in after he gets off the phone um, and then leaves. Right. Like, you know, did, did not want to be there with the, us unmasked masses, I guess. Um, but if I go there tomorrow night and you know, they say, Hey, we're, we're required to get your name and phone number. Uh, we'll see because I, I would assume that at that time, many of our group uh, wouldn't want to comply with that either. So, you know, yeah, I just, just give them uh, a fake name and number. Right. Which is what I'm saying. If you, you know, just give just give them the fake name, give them the governor's phone number and see what happens. Right. But again, I, you know, they don't have a loyalty card, but I would still usually pay with a credit card. So if they really wanted to trace who was in there, they have my credit card. They, you know, they can trace every time I've been in there. Uh, you know, since I started going, cause I use the same card. So am I traceable? Absolutely. Do I care? Not so much. Um, uh, and this, you know, this, the other thing that comes up, you know, I've, I've asked this question on, on, on this show before is how many more election cycles, uh, do they get before, you know, we stop worrying about electoral politics, right? Like I am not necessarily concerned about that because I think that by pushing us to that level, is a great way to incite violence sooner, right? Like there, there, from the beginning of the COVID lockdowns, there have been articles and news reports about uh, customers getting into it with clerks because the clerk, you know, for all the, for all that they get paid, goes like, excuse me, sir, when you come in here, you got to put a mask on. And I go, like hell, I'm going to put a mask on. This is my constitutional God-given right to walk around free-faced and blah, blah, blah. And then, then punches the store cloak right in the nose. Pow! Fuck you, fuck you and your mask requirement. You know, they, they're already like pitting people against each other. Um, so I don't see what the point of that would be uh, to incite things further. So if they if they start tracing uh, and they say like, sorry, Rich, uh, you, you have been exposed by hanging around those that have the COVID. You must now quarantine. Um, I'm just, I'm not going to comply, right? I'll just walk out my door and go about my business, uh, until, you know, until they pick me up and arrest me and then we'll see, right. How, how many, you know, how much support would I be able to garner at that point? If I'm like getting arrested because of, for violating quarantine, I would hope, uh, that, you know, where I move to and the, the mindset of those I've chosen to surround myself with, uh, we collectively, wouldn't tolerate that for very long. Um, New Hampshire is a lot more gun friendly, much more gun friendly, uh, than Hawaii and everything is sold out everywhere, right? Like you, you cannot find a firearm, uh, well, a good one anyway. And, and ammo has been sold out and they're rationing ammunition, uh, and have been for months now. Um, uh, my buddy, you know, posts regularly, like he goes down to the, the, the gun shops just to check it out, just to get the, the lay of the land, uh, if you will, and see where things are at. And yeah, yeah, you go, you go online, then nothing's available. Um, I was, <laughs> I was checking out the, we might go out to Maine next week, Sunday, uh, just because I have the day free and, and wants to go out there. I was like, you know, there's a gun shop nearby where we're going to be going. Um, that everyone seems to be raving about. Like I've seen online posts about it. Uh, I've, I've seen people wearing the t-shirts around here, and this, you know, this gun shop is like, you know, 45 minutes to an hour away from here where I'm currently at. So it's not like it's the most convenient place to, to do things. Um, I went, you know, let's just go check it out. Uh, well, I want to, I want to see what's going on over there. Um, and so like, you know, I'm, I'm looking online, you know, like what, what does this place have? Because I, honestly, 
I, I think one of the benefits of this particular gun shop is that their web interface is slick compared to other gun shops in the area, right? Like, like we have this in stock, you can buy it and then come pick it up, you know, type of thing. Whereas the other ones is like, call in advance, here's our address. Like, you know, it's, it's like a real uh, millennial website versus something out of the 90s for some of the other gun shops around town. Um, so I'm like, I'm looking at it. I go, hey, that looks interesting. Like they, you know, they had a rifle in stock, like lever action rifle. And I go, ah, that's, that's like the only cool thing they have in stock. Um, and they said like they had, you know, a few days ago, they had like 11 of them available. Uh, so I'm talking to him like, you know, maybe when we go there, I want to, I want to like take a look at that thing and just, just to see, because it seemed pretty cool. Um, and then I checked again today and they have like five in stock. I'm like, God, oh, shit, they're going to sell out before I, before we even get there next weekend. You know, they, they've sold one a day for like the past week or so. Uh, so yeah, every, it, it hits the shelves and then it's gone. I started following a few others on, on social media just to see what they post. Um, they're like, okay, this, uh, we got these in today and it's gone. Right. It's like that fucking South Park clip. All right, everybody, we, you know, we were going to be putting, they were selling one. It's like a fucking, it was a, like a three thousand dollar rifle um they like we're getting 10 of them in it's good the, the website's going to go live at three o'clock and if you click on it and it says sold out it means we already sold it and you missed it right you know the three thousand dollar rifle uh you know they they're getting 10 in and sold out probably within a half an hour or so because i think i remembered to check i just wanted to see if it was gonna if it actually was going to be available and by like 3 30 it was gone just done so there's a lot of there's a lot of munitions uh, being sold, at least in this state. I have no idea what it's like for you guys over there. I don't even really want to know. Uh, but I think at some point they go like, you know, the, the, those people buying the munitions go like, okay, we've had enough. Like that's just, the you have pushed us to the very limits of what we were willing to comply with, what we we're willing to put up with, and how, how far we are willing to let you uh, run our lives. And with with all those guns and all that ammo uh being you know at the ready um i don't know how much further they can push it thoughts your thoughts what's it like over there are you worried about civil unrest after the election (laughs) no no i'm not either uh not here i think there may be civil unrest in other parts of the country but i not here um i think what people are uh gets people angry is that the the mandate that it's a statewide mandate about masks or distancing and that sort of thing i think that without the mandates um people might be much more willing and acceptable about uh you know uh, competitive behavior let's say the restaurant that that says well we we know that there's a a a coronavirus around we like to protect our customers we wear masks we ask you to wear masks too to come in yeah, you know it's like saying no shoes no service no uh no mask uh, no service type of thing and that's their choice um right now a lot of them don't have that choice so they they insist on it and people are not objecting to the i think to the restaurant itself but to the fact that they're being mandated to do it you know it's like well we add sales tax to your uh, to your bill it's not our choice but we have to or it, to stay open to, to to remain in business i like the idea of much more competitive choice in the marketplace so that if you aren't worried about the coronavirus that you shouldn't have to go if you are concerned about it you might be more inclined to go to a restaurant that takes down the tracing so that they could contact you if they found that one of their workers or one of their people uh, that had been to the restaurant uh, had the disease they could call you and let you know um, some people might like that. And what I'm saying is that the choices should be out there in the market, not mandated, because I don't think that it really endangers the whole of society to have those choices. In fact, it improves it because you get people willingly, voluntarily engaged in it because of the logic behind um, or uh, behind these measures rather than just a mandate that they feel that the government is very hypocritical about. Ah, KS, but the problem with that is those those places that don't mandate the masks endanger everybody. Uh, because if you have a restaurant with that requires a mask versus one that makes it optional, and I'm going to the one that requires the mask, and you're going to the one that has it optional, and we cross paths 
in the parking lot on our way to each of the restaurants. Uh, I'm infected because you chose not to. So you must wear the mask to protect everybody. Right? That's that's the mentality of the 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 pro mandate individuals. Because generally, I agree with you. Right? Just give us a choice, and then like you know, like I will tomorrow night. We'll go to the re- we'll go to the restaurant that wants to take our money and feed us. Uh, and doesn't require us to wear silly diapers on our face, right? And if you don't want to go to that restaurant, by all means, poke your head in, realize you're in the wrong spot, and leave. Go someplace else. But give us, give us the option, give us the choice, because that's how everything should be. Shall we move on? Yeah. All right. Headlines. Uh, headline against libertarians who want to shrink the state by capturing it. Uh, again, Center for a Stateless Society. A left market anarchist think tank and media center. I have to throw that caveat there all the time because uh, they're always a little iffy when it comes to what they publish um, and what I what I will take from them as far as show preparations. Um, so just be aware if you end up at that site for whatever reason that nah, maybe not everything is up to spec or up to kosher. Um, Reading into the article, and Chaos, you said you've never heard of this place, which is I find a little intriguing as well. Uh, against libertarians who want to shrink the state by capturing it, there is a sentiment among many self-described libertarians that I sympathize with to some degree, but ultimately view as misguided and completely unfavorable. It goes something like this. If we are to have a state, the lesser evil solution is to have only certain groups of people vote. Net taxpayers are a popular go-to example. In this scenario, those who earn an income in the private sector and pay taxes on that income and in other ways, but find themselves ultimately receiving an array of benefits from the government that outweigh what they pay in taxes would be disqualified from voting. That automatically means anyone employed via the public purse, government departments, bureaucrats, the military, etc., would not have the ability to vote. Although some come to this kind of recommendation simply from hatred those they view as living off the state, others put forward justifications for this idea more thoughtfully. The main thread you see pulled through most higher quality arguments for this position, and the one that I can find some sympathy and common ground with as far as an end goal, says this would ultimately be all in service of shrinking and perhaps eventually eliminating the state. The fewer people participating and getting mixed up in the business of statecraft, the better. And even if it's not zero just yet, it's the right direction. It's frequently noted that a bonus of the net taxpayer as voters only scenario would be a decreasing likelihood that more pork giveaways or government expansion would be voted in by what is alleged to be a more self-sufficient, responsible, and anti-government crowd. All of this may sound nice to some in a superficial sense, especially when it comes up in a tweet or some feel-good back-and-forth on Facebook about shrinking the state. But more serious thinking about these kinds of prescriptions is exactly where I and others should diverge from almost everyone in favor of this kind of policy. For starters, let's quickly review a common libertarian position. It's safe to say that many libertarians think that the state, either by simply existing or through its current method of operation, cannot be justified. It's noted correctly that the state does not only commit a form of violence or violate my rights when it literally sends its enforcers to my property to abuse me. By simply claiming a monopoly on force and then leveraging that monopoly to create laws and a regime of taxation, I have no choice but to live with the state is violating my consent and autonomy with its basic structures. In this way and others, libertarians often claim that the state is by default violating the rights and freedoms of everyone living under it. Many libertarians supplement the point above by again correctly adding that the levers of state power are prone to capture by specific groups, uh, for example, an elite political class, who end up with more power and influence than other groups or the rest of the population and use it on them. These points render the idea that the government of today are of, by, and for the people serving the general will or good as a sham in practice. On the other hand, proponents and democratic principles uh, counter that every individual having one vote at least means power is equally dispersed over the arrangement. The amount of leverage and influence over the mechanisms of injustice is equally available. 
of course, libertarians press, that is not the reality. What we have in real life are people and groups whose actual power and influence range from nearly nothing at all, all the way up to the extreme. Some have just a vote on paper, others have the ear of the president bought and paid for. Since this is the case, it becomes quite puzzling how some libertarians simultaneously claim to understand points of democratic injustice while calling for the exclusion of their preferred targets from one of the tools that enables some sort of say or influence on these institutions, if not fully in practice, at least on principle and paper. Again, many reiterate the idea is to begin by reducing the number of people who influence the state and hold power. The less state and the less power to go around, the better. However, to all these destinations, we must choose a direction to follow. And it's clear the journey down this path would be one thing that brings us to the reality that completely excludes some from having an influence on democratic processes while leaving others to reap the benefits of strengthened influence that is even more concentrated. In the fantasy where the state heads towards zero by decreasing suffrage and political involvement, there would be a growing number of people with decreasing leverage put against those increasing their share of influence. It's a solution that worsens the exact same problem it claims to fight, the unjust balances and uses of state power. It's especially interesting to see that so many self-described libertarians find this strategy appealing on the one hand, but in other instances claim it is unacceptable on principle that certain groups that aren't them have some kind of disproportionate influence over their lives via public affairs. Of course, American libertarians proudly unveiling their pet way to fashion the democratic system in a manner they claim pushes us towards the best endgame, while in reality, privileging their preferred groups over others isn't novel, and it's not exclusively their thing. It's simply another form of what political history seems to be plagued with. Theories that justify particular groups having influence over dynamics and structures that affect everyone But when our side is in charge, it will all be in service of what is best for everyone, of course. The most interesting, uh, excuse me, the most interested in limiting voting in favor of certain groups or rearranging governmental privileges in inequitable ways don't tend to be part of the group that's on the worst end of the deal. If a self-described libertarian believes it's acceptable for certain groups to have a say in dynamics and structure, they aren't already they already grant affect everyone's rights and autonomy, but others, for a variety of reasons, shouldn't have the same privilege, either permanently or on the way to a distant goal. It would seem the discussion the first presents itself as merely tactical one addressing on how to shrink or limit the state is asking for too little attention. At that point, the discussion should really go back to square one. And we need to take a look at whether the people putting forward these schemes are coming from a foundation of liberal principles and convictions on liberty for all. The person making recommendations about limiting the state in favor of a particular group need to reassess whether the solutions they're proposing is truly meant to address the problem they're claiming it does, or whether it's simply a justification for why particular groups they favor or are part of should gain power while others lose it. Uh, There's a quick note at the bottom that I'll read. Uh, In this piece, I do not address two very important points that could almost by default discredit lamentations about the so-called burden of debt taxpayers and the supposed easy ride all individual recipients of state payments enjoy. Number one, most of the large private incomes go to beneficiaries who have used their existing political and economic interests to extract undue benefits, uh, return on IP ownership, direct subsidy, protection policy, etc. And number two, most people commonly regard regarded as one leering, leeching off the government are, in many senses, essentially receiving a payment of one kind or another that compensate for merely a small portion of what a tilted playing field favoring those with large private incomes has cost them. I take the argument presented by some at face value in this essay and set aside the points immediately above to highlight a crucial point about power dynamics and democratic sensibilities, not to say that points noted here are not important. Uh, end of the article and end of the caveats there. Uh, your thoughts, KSMC, on whether or not libertarians should grasp at seeking the power structure uh, as it's laid out in front of them? MC? Uh, I think they should uh, through the the Democrat and Re- Republican parties, not not by its own party, <laughs> if they want, if they actually want to. Mm-hmm. And, and the ones here do that, right? There's 
there is a libertarian party here. Uh, I do have, you know, friends and acquaintances that are members of the libertarian party. Uh, but the ones serious about getting into office, uh, run in the two party system, uh, as a liberty, as a liberty minded candidate, How do they vote, do? vote for me, uh, because I'm one of you. I just happen to have an R next to my name. How do they do? Is it a successful strategy there? Um, it's more successful than running as a libertarian. Uh, you know, the, the, the free state project movement, I guess, you know, has put forth, uh, I, I don't want to say the project itself, uh, individuals that have moved, uh, for the free state project have seen varying levels of success in local politics. Uh, maybe not on the, on the national level. Um, uh, but yeah, there's a, there's a handful of elected representatives in local office here, uh, that are known within the Free State Project ranks and are definitely respected members of the Liberty community. It also makes it help. It's also helpful that one of the reasons why New Hampshire was selected uh, initially um, for the, the the migration was because local politics was easy to get into, um, and because there's so many offices available uh, that it's it's easy to get on the ballot and sometimes run unopposed. Um, I don't know if we covered it here because it was big news, uh, during the, I guess, primary season. Um, I don't know if she would consider herself a free state project member. She definitely moved to New Hampshire, uh, for more freedom and liberty. Um, but she ran on the Republican party ticket for sheriff of her county town, whatever. I don't even know, understand how those break down. Um, but she is a self-described, let me see if I can get this all out there, transsexual Satanist anarchist. (laughs) Satanist? Yep. She's the high priestess of whatever Satan church that she runs wherever she's at. And 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 she's been, she's made quite a, a, a C4SS, we just read their article. I think they interviewed her on their podcast. She's also uh, been interviewed by Adam on the Adam versus the man podcast. And, you know, those, those are, you know, just a couple, but she's gotten like national press, uh, recently when, when she won, because she goes, I'm transsexual Satanist anarchist. Um, but guess what? Because of how many offices there are available, the sheriff of that County is a Democrat and has been so entrenched in his position as sheriff, um, that his typical running opponent on the Republican side said, screw it, I'm not doing this anymore, and decided not to run. Uh, So this transsexual Satanist anarchist ran unopposed on the Republican ticket. Uh, Oh, I know what the other thing was. Her slogan was, fuck the police. Like all of her signs say, F the police on there. You know, it's great. And she won? She won the Republican nomination because she ran unopposed. Right. And when one group found that she was running unopposed, they tried to put together a last minute write-in campaign for the guy who didn't want to run anymore, uh, just so there would be some opposition. Uh, and that got, you know, like, like a percent of the vote or something like that. It was, it was, it was hardly, hardly worth noting. Um, but again, there's, there's so many offices available in local politics here and not much money to be made. Uh, for the, like the House of Representatives and the Senate or whatever, I think legislatures here get paid like a hundred bucks a year, and that's it. So, it you, you, it's not like other places where you can make a career being in the in the state government or in the state legislature. That's all you get. You you run for office, you win. Here's your hundred bucks. Good luck next year, next election cycle, kind of a thing. So it, it's a different type of people running here. Um, and again, there's so many available that some some seats don't get filled. Unless, you know, run on a post. So there's opportunities there for that. Um, You're familiar with the name Nick Sarwark, I would imagine? Yeah. Okay. He is running for uh, county prosecutor because he wasn't going to win anything else. And he goes, hey, you know what? I have experience. Apparently the last guy uh, running for county prosecutor sucked. So he actually thinks he can win. I I think he's running as a libertarian. Um. Although something I don't again, I'm so far out of the political loop that I've I've been told that it's not real it's not a um it's not a party office. Um so nonpartisan, but, yeah. Yeah. So he's, you know, 
but but he would he would consider himself to be a libertarian. And I, I thought I saw a ballot that had an L, so I don't I'm confused there. So don't take don't be too concerned with that. Uh, but he might win, right? You never know, um, because he's got experience as an actual attorney, uh, whereas the guy currently holding the office did not. The guy currently holding the office as prosecutor, according to to Nick Sarwark, uh, was so inept at his job that he was removed from from the office. Uh, basically, the the local attorney general had to like do all of his work for him because he was so inept. And then at some point over the last year or so, they went, okay, we think you've sort of got the hang of it now. You can kind of do your job again. And that's his only selling point as to why he should be county prosecutors. Like, I failed so hard, but I, I, I improved so much that they're letting me actually have this position. Um, and Nick Sarwark is going like, well, I've, I've actually, you know, been in, you know, law and in this, you know, as an attorney, and I can actually do the job without being my without having my hand held by the 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 prosecutor so we'll see we'll see what happens in in that election um so there i guess my overall point is there there is opportunity at the local level to win things here in new hampshire whereas you know where you might be it might be a little bit more entrenched but i'm always excited when the transsexual satanist anarchist with the fuck the police signs uh you know gets gets to make it to the general election by default because no one else wanted to run against the sheriff. Now, likely she's not going to win, right? But wouldn't that be cool? She posted a picture on on Facebook of her Halloween costume. Guess what she's dressed up as? The devil. No, the sheriff. Ah, oh, okay. Well, I'm. I, it's interesting. I I think that if she, um, the more exposure she gets. Well, I don't know. I, you and I've been over on uh, uh, Vermin Supreme's, uh, you know, reverse hat. It it pokes fun, but I, I think that it's just going to make it harder for challenges to uh, for unconventional challenges to the mainstream. Sure, uh, and again, she she's like, I'm not a Republican. I don't have Republican values, but they let anyone put their name on the ballot, you know, and register as a Republican, and then they left this seat unfilled. So I'll just, I'll just put my name over there and boom, she wins, right? Liberty, uh, transsexual Satanist anarchist wins a Republican seat because no one else wanted to run. Well, it's not a Republican seat. It's a, a place in the, in the race. And if you've already got a, a chance, one in a hundred of, of, uh, winning, it's, it's not really a seat yet. I would hold up as a better example, Bernard Akana on the big Island. He was a T-shirt candidate, had no campaign or anything behind him. He was just always out there with a little sign saying, vote for me instead of Dante Carpenter, who was the mayor of, uh, of Oahu, I mean, of the, of the Big Island. Um, very powerful, well-funded campaign, real suave uh, guy, always uh, cut the perfect image of a politician and so on. Uh, but scandals broke out about uh, the corruption and insider uh, relations and so on uh, just before the election and and so the public voted for Bert, Bernard Nakan and he won as mayor of the Big Island it was a big upset a tremendous upset but yeah. I thought it had a positive effect it it you know he he wasn't trying to um, hit people in the face he was saying you know I'm sincere about this I don't have all the funding behind me but I think I'm better than this guy uh, because because he's so corrupt and uh and the people are, they they went along with it. They did uh, vote for him, and he, he took office. I think he died not too long afterwards of uh, cancer or something like that. But it was always a good example to people. But it was worth trying if you're sincere, and you you want to uh, unseat the powerful uh, ones in power. And it always, I think, it serves the powerful ones in office a good lesson. Hey, just don't be too complacent about your your incumbency. It it can be tossed out if you look too bad to the general population but i don't think that this transsexual person that you mentioned is is going to appeal as an alternative even if they don't like the guy that's in and uh i don't know uh it's something to talk about but i don't think it's earth-shaking sure but i think your bernard akana is the exception not the rule right of course like, yeah sure there's no way that you can craft a strategy around that 
type of work. Otherwise, libertarians would just do that. Hey, I've got a cool t-shirt and you know that that other guy's corrupt. So what have you got to lose? It's like, that's the whole, that's the whole Biden appeal right now, right? I might be the worst candidate available, but guess what? I ain't Trump. Well, in our and according state, to you, Cass, he might win by a landslide. <laughs> in our, in our uh, state, uh, you can be dead and still get elected. <laughs> um, be, yeah. That's how much people uh, go lockstep with uh, the routine. Well, I think, well, that would give a little bit of credence to this article then, whereas you want, you should want to limit the amount of people who can cast a vote uh, by making sure that they're competent enough to, to cast a vote, right? Maybe there should be some restriction on who's allowed to participate if people are going to be. <laughs> well, then go whole hog and say if they're going to vote Democrat or Republican, they should be, they're, they're clearly not competent to, 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 to vote. So. Sure, we can handle that. <laughs> I would agree. If, if you're going to vote, you are not competent enough to vote. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Final thoughts? Yeah, yeah. MC, anything from you? No. Did you pass out yet? No? Yeah. All right. right, That'll do it for us. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. You guys know where to find us, anarchistexperience.com. On Telegram, t.me slash anarchistexperience or t.me slash theanarchistexperience. And if you would like to contribute to the show financially, you can do so through Patreon, patreon.com slash theanarchistexperience. Thank you very much for listening. I will talk to you all next week. Peace. Aloha.